Hi everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of teaching and learning. I'm Ryan Radzeski, here with Greg Baer, and we're the co-authors of When You Wonder, You're Learning, Mr. Rogers' Enduring Lessons for Raising Creative, Curious, Caring Kids. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Kira Orange-Jones, CEO of Teach Plus, a national nonprofit that empowers excellent, experienced, and diverse teachers to advance equity, opportunity, and student success through policy and practice. Kira also serves on Louisiana's State Board of Education, and she's a former senior vice president at Teach for America, where she founded the Systems Impact Lab. In 2015, Time Magazine named her one of the most influential people in the world. Kira Orange-Jones, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, it's our good luck here that you're here. And of course, we're going to talk about teaching and learning. And it's true that you began your career as a filmmaker in Louisiana. So tell us about that. What kinds of films were you making and what kinds of stories were you trying to tell? Well, first, I began my career as a fourth grade teacher. Right, I was um, recruited by Teach for America to be a part of their 2000 core. And education had played a really outsized role in my own life, in particular, really powerful teachers. And so I wanted to be a part of this national call to action to basically help the next generation of students carve out a path to their own futures. And I was placed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm originally from New York City. I'd never been south of Atlanta, but I was placed in Baton Rouge. And that was a transformative experience. I fell in love with my fourth graders. I was also constantly surprised and at times outraged by the many obstacles that stood in the path to their success, despite their unlimited potential. And I felt really strongly that one of the most important lessons I'd learned as a teacher was that there were so many untold stories. That in fact, the full vibrance of my students and their lives and their backgrounds were often flattened to two-minute news clips on the news cycle at night or articles possibly maybe, but never the depth of really understanding who they were completely and what stories they had to tell. And I wanted to do all I could to help tell their stories better. And I had studied film in college and found my way into documentary filmmaking after teaching because I wanted to amplify their stories. And so, you know, the biggest project that we worked on was a project following for African-American boys in Baton Rouge for several years and really specifically focusing on the choices that at many times their families made, in particular their mothers made, to try to navigate a complicated and often ineffective education system that didn't work for their kids, trying to carve a path to a better future for their sons. We shot for over two years and we edited for a very long time. We had over 400 hours of footage. It was really a a very eye-opening experience that affirmed what I'd learned in my classroom, which is our kids have unlimited capability and potential, and yet these obstacles, mostly systemic, that stand in their way of success require a Herculean effort on the part of parents and often great schools to overcome, and yet there are families every day doing it and their stories need to be told. So you were in Louisiana for a couple of years after college, and you were actually there in 05 when Hurricane Katrina hit. And a year later, you took the helm of Teach for America's regional presence in New Orleans. 
so can you give us a sense, Kira, of what the landscape was like at that time? Like you're getting to know these students and large parts of New Orleans, large parts of Louisiana had been destroyed. You know, people had lost their homes, families had fled. As someone responsible for a, a not insignificant share of teachers in New Orleans, what, what was on your mind? How did you even decide where to begin in a situation like that? It's hard today to imagine the destruction that was New Orleans in 2005, 2006, 2007. Essentially, 80% of our facilities were underwater. Imagine trying to rebuild an education system better than the previous version that had no books, no buildings, and no kids. And in the years that followed, it became really clear that a lot of the schools that were coming back online or starting post-Katrina, the biggest need they had was for great teachers. And that was going to make a huge difference, right? And so the opportunity to partner with so many institutions across the city who had very bold visions for what they wanted to do to advance student learning and really impressive strategies, but really needed talent, needed great talent. It was an opportunity to partner with them to fulfill their need. And so we saw our role as serving that need and for many years continued to scale up our efforts to bring in teachers and bring back teachers. Many of them were actually in the city before. Either they were from the city or they'd been working in the city, had been relocated because of the storm. They came back to the city to be, be a part of the rebuilding efforts or to put back the pieces of their own lives. And it really was a very significant community effort to try to rebuild this system. But, you know, at the heart of it was great teachers and great leaders. And Kira, there's more to the story about the rebuilding of New Orleans in your story, because in 2011, you were elected to public office representing the New Orleans area on Louisiana's State Board of Education. So what had you learned at that point about systems and how systems work? In 2011, I'd been running Teach for America for a couple of years, and my primary job was to work with school partners, systems partners, to provide talent. And I remember being in a room of about 20 school leaders from across the city of New Orleans. And overwhelmingly, they started talking about this position, this, you know, board of elementary and secondary education position that was an elected role representing New Orleans on the state board of education, known as the Bessie board. And I saw my job as to go and recruit someone to run for this role. What was clear to school leaders at the time was this role mattered that the governance conditions around schools was going to be incredibly critical to their success. And I wanted to find the right leader to run in this role. As things work out, I ended up on a list. I must have ended up on someone else's list getting recruited. So here I am trying to find someone. And next thing you know, I'm being recruited for this role. I'd never thought about public service, certainly not public office before that point. But I really saw myself as a lifelong educator. And if others felt there was a role I could play, I certainly wanted to try. And so I ran as a first year candidate, you know, against an eight year incumbent. And after a very long, complicated uh, race, as, as they often are, I was successful. And that was now 12 years ago. So I've served on the state board now for over, you know, just about 12 years and three successful terms. What I've learned more than anything else about system change is at the heart of it, what I would have said 11 years ago that I'll still say today is it comes down to whether or not public will exist to make the hard decisions necessary to prioritize teaching and learning and prioritize students first. And 
often there are sets of adult interests that come into play at any moment in time that get in the way of that priority. But what we need is leaders who are going to make student-centered decisions, hard decisions to put kids first and put their opportunity and access first and then align their strategies to that. So that requires a tremendous amount of public will. In a city like New Orleans, you know, all the things people think of when they think of New Orleans, a vibrant cultural city. And we may not agree on a lot, but in the years following the storm, we were able to weave together a broad and really diverse, powerful coalition that agreed on a very narrow band of truth that we are going to work on our schools and we are going to do all we can to create the governance conditions around schools for school leaders and teachers and parents and families to be able to work together towards a common vision to advance progress for students. So when you can get a broad, diverse coalition to weave together a narrow band of truth and maintain that public will and the support to do that for a sustained period of time, that is where I think we start to see real progress in education. Kira, students in Louisiana and in New Orleans in particular have made some really amazing strides in recent years. Can you tell us about some of the progress that's been made under your leadership? When you look back over the past 11 years, what are you most proud of? It hasn't been easy. And, you know, those closest to it are likely the most critical of ourselves because you always want to do more and there's always more to do. But the New Orleans model is one of the most studied, researched, tested educational models likely in the world. And on most of those validated research studies, on every major indicator that is measured in terms of child progress and welfare, students are better in New Orleans today than they were pre-Katrina, right? And that could be being able to advance the graduation rate across the city or the number of kids going to college today versus those going a decade ago or how many kids are actually graduating prepared for the workforce, right? So all of the major indicators that we've measured over time, what you see in New Orleans for at least the first 10 years post-Katrina, which should have been the hardest years when you look at all of the other indicators, all of the other sort of inputs impacting kids' lives, the counterintuitive is what actually occurred. And on every major indicator, progress did occur for those students. And again, I think it really was about having a very clear vision for where we wanted to go, having a really clear and coordinated strategy, and then having so many different aligned layers of support at every level of the system to accomplish that. This is Greg Bear. I'm here alongside Ryan Rydzeski, and we're talking with Kira Orange-Jones, CEO of Teach Plus. Kira, you went on to found Teach for America's Systems Impact Lab, which in many ways was an opportunity for you to bring your leadership to other parts of the country. What can other districts, other cities, other regions learn from New Orleans? After running New Orleans for a decade, I felt that there were lessons that could be translated to other communities. And so when the opportunity presented itself to found and and run a, a learning lab that was really dedicated to translating insights of progress to other parts of the country, I certainly wanted to be a part of that effort and lead it. What I learned very quickly is that every community is unique. I started off with this strategy that I was going to go around and like, I was going to tell them what New Orleans did and then I was going to help them do it. Right. And very quickly, it was clear that 
people might be mildly interested in what New Orleans did, but they care a lot more about what's happening in their own community, whether it be Kansas City or Jacksonville or Indianapolis or Miami. And essentially, what is more integral than telling people what to do is laying the conditions for the kinds of questions, strategic questions that they need to answer. And so what I ultimately developed over many, many years working with so many communities and executives across the country was to create a six-question framework that really began with understanding what progress had existed in their own community first, and then really understanding what drivers and conditions created that progress and what distinct role, in this case, Teach for America played, but insert any organization, what the specific intervention that you represent has played. Those are backwards-facing questions. And then moving to the future, really starting to work in partnership with others in your community, families, educators, you know, stakeholders, civic leaders, to really understand what is the relative distance left to travel between where we are today. And I do think it is important that we look for assets and we look for assets where we start, for what has actually happened, because From that, we can learn a lot about how progress might happen in the future. So regardless of where we start, it's really important for that community to then size up. Where are we relative to families and students' wildest aspirations for their students? What is it ultimately going to take? What drivers and conditions need to exist? And ultimately, what's going to be that particular organization's strategy to get there? So it's kind of a strategic clarity, strategic planning framework. But what I found over time working as a systems leader myself and working alongside so many other really capable, bold systems leaders was that those were questions they were intuitively asking themselves all the time. And in Louisiana, those were questions we could answer. In New Orleans, those were questions we could answer. And what I started to do was to create the conditions where other executives could facilitate a process in their own communities, where those were the questions that their community started to answer, leading to coordinated strategies. And that enabled us to scale insights, not only from New Orleans, but also from D.C. and New York and Denver and other places that actually had defied over the past decade real trends in student outcomes and actually created new trajectories for what student opportunity looked like. And we were able to do that by getting communities more curious about what actually drives progress. Kira, let's turn to your current work. So last year, you joined Teach Plus as the organization's newest CEO. For our listeners who are unfamiliar, what is Teach Plus? What does it do and where does Teach Plus work? I'm so proud to be at the helm of such an exciting organization with such an important mandate. At Teach Plus, we believe that when you equip excellent, committed, diverse educators to have an outsized leadership role, right, from the classroom to the Capitol, great things happen for kids, right? And so we actually help teachers develop a broader understanding of the systems that they work in to be able to expand their teacher leadership. And sometimes that looks like playing roles in their school building. We believe great teachers, especially the teachers that we work with, want to be closest to kids and they want to be able to have their insights and their student experiences be translated to how the systems around them work without them having to leave the classroom. We work with them to become teacher leaders in their building, instructional practice liaisons, implementation coaches, mentors. We also run fellowships that introduce teachers to how policy change happens at the state level 
and enable them over time to leverage their voice and their experiences and the experiences of their students to impact and influence policies that ultimately directly influence their classrooms and their kids' lives. And that might look like in Mississippi, for example, last year, our teachers writing op-eds and working with a broader coalition to advance teacher salaries, teacher pay raises, which were some of the lowest in the South. And it could also look like in Texas, where we partnered with the Harmony School District for many years now to run a program where we support the Harmony School District to actually develop an entire cohort of teacher leaders that actually helps the district move forward really important change initiatives. And they're really working shoulder to shoulder with district leaders. And in many ways, that's a really counterintuitive idea, even today, even though so many of the challenges facing education have something to do with like needing to change how we attract the best teachers to the profession, how we keep them in the role. You know, so many things are very integral to who is in front of our kids, how diverse the pipeline is, right? But the reality is like we often don't ask teachers perspectives and we don't equip them to be at the table in the decision-making process. And we actually believe that needs to fundamentally change in order to advance real meaningful change in this country. Kara, we love this. Lifting up teachers as the leaders that they are. Yes. You were that fourth grade teacher all those years ago, and you know thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of teachers who have (laughs) 143 ideas about how teaching and learning might be made better, if not 143 times 10, right? So how do teachers get involved in these fellowships that you've described that they can lift up their own leadership in their communities, their state capitals or beyond? How do they get involved? Well, great question. We, we are currently in 12 states and growing. And so if any teacher is interested, they should just check out our website and determine whether or not there's an actual region. And um, we also have a national policy and board of teachers, too, that advises us on federal strategy and on a national strategy. So even if we don't have a fellowship or a site in the place that they live, we are constantly looking for educators to help work with us closely to craft a national policy agenda, work closely with congressional leaders and others to ensure that we are doing all we can to amplify teachers' voices and really leverage their leadership at the federal and the national level as well. And that website for our listeners is teachplus.org. Kira, you've mentioned growth, and actually Teach Plus has some pretty ambitious plans for expansion, doubling the number of participating teachers by 2025, reaching a majority share of the nation's Black, Latino, and low-income learners, and a whole lot more. Can you tell us a bit about how you're growing the organization, particularly in this time when we're hearing about teacher shortages and you know plummeting enrollment in places like schools of education? We believe that one of the most fundamental ways to actually recruit teachers to the profession, retain teachers, our best teachers in the profession, is to really think about the ways we can give them opportunities to learn and grow and have an extended impact when they are teaching. This is about really looking at the role of an educator and being willing to reimagine it so that it actually meets the needs of educators coming into the field who want to actually have thriving, successful careers as teachers, as we all do in all of our professions, right? The teachers are no different. And so because of that, we actually think that while there are these really very alarming challenges, particularly when we think about 
teacher shortages, for example, Teach Plus and the work that we do can be one antidote amongst many to solving a very complex challenge because when you give teachers the opportunity to lead and learn and grow, they are more successful, they are more satisfied, and more likely to stay in the profession for longer. We have partnered with many school districts to launch many initiatives to help teachers of color particular thrive once in the role. In particular, we run a very successful affinity group in our Illinois region that works with hundreds of teachers to have a community, a community that they actually can rely on through the lens of identity and actually grow as leaders of color as they are serving their kids, right? So some of this is about the opportunities you provide teachers with individually, and some of this is about the conditions you create for teachers to have a community with one another. We are in the process of doing a sort of national exploratory process to determine the next sets of states that we expand into and working with many partners across the country to determine the conditions that will enable teachers in those places to be successful at advocating for their students, both in, you know, in the practice domain of their work or in the policy advocacy domain. Kira, how can people find out more about the work you're doing? If you want to find out more about our work, please go to our website, teachplus.org. We are really committed to growing the movement of teacher leadership and voice across this country and confident there's a role that many, many, many more teachers want to play and can play. So we hope you'll enlist your leadership in this effort and join us. Now, before we go, Kira, we have just one more question for you. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? We live in a time that is more polarized educationally than ever before, where, you know, there's more noise to cut through in our educational system than ever before, I would say that our systems work best when there's meaningful engagement from both parents and educators. And that's been my lived experience as a 12-year elected official responsible for a constituency in New Orleans, which I'm incredibly honored to be representative for. So my big charge is go to a school board meeting read the paper and understand the issues and figure out a way to get engaged. Call your Congress person and advocate for additional dollars if that's the thing that your schools need or advocate for more dollars for teacher leadership. In many cases, you know, there are many opportunities to do at the federal level that really Congress people look to what's happening in their own district, figure out is this an area or a need that educators actually have in our own communities, right? And so the big charge is get engaged. Thanks again to Kira Orange-Jones. CEO of Teach Plus and the New Orleans area representative on the Louisiana Board of Elementary and Secondary Education. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning. Learn more at remakelearning.org.